Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's so many benefits of sport, not just exercise, but communication, there's mental well-being, there's finding your place and doing something that you enjoy. So the benefits of sports are huge. And, you know, this, this documentary is really, really interesting. You've got like a little bit of kind of the history and then you kind of get to where we are now. And it's great that, you know, representation matters and we are seeing, obviously, young people get into it. But I think one thing that the documentary didn't explore is that school sports and the entry routes into a lot of sports just don't really exist because it's just been so underfunded. Hey everyone and welcome to Flixwater Podcast. Today I'm joined by Helen. Hello. Kate. Hello. And Annie. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Game On, the unstoppable rise of women in sport. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Kate and Annie. Over to you, please, Annie, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Thank you, Helen. I am the founder and chief exec of Well Intelligence and host of the Well Intel Daily podcast. Our mission with the podcast is to accelerate the adoption of well-being culture across business communities and throughout society. And we do that by working with businesses to prioritise the well-being of their people, affect more sustainable business models and showcase the great work in this area that some businesses are doing. Can you give an example of the great work some businesses are doing? Yep. Accor did an amazing campaign last year called Health to Wealth, which pulled together a macro to micro presentation, really, of transformational wellbeing culture. And by that, I mean threading together the economy, the environment, technology, geopolitical and society, and shimmying down through industries, governance, uh, travel, hospitality, retail, to you and I, to individuals, and how we take care of ourselves in the maelstrom of the big picture. I like the way it says shimming down. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Think well, of I, think it. Was, nice. I think that was perfect. So yeah. I'm going to use that from this day forth. Shimmy, a little shimmy, a little shimmy. Kate, who are you? Hello, I'm Kate Cocker, and I host the Everyday Positivity podcast, and I have done for the last five years. It's a daily podcast designed very much to help people to be kind to themselves on a day-to-day basis. It's only three or four minutes long. It's a little nugget (laughs) of positivity for your day with the idea being that, you know, when we can maintain a positive mindset, we look after ourselves, we make good decisions, 
we are better in the world. I went through a period of time where I wasn't doing that. And when I realised I needed that, I thought, oh, I think other people might need that too. So Everyday Positivity was born. And I also run a company called The Presenter Coach, where I help people speak comfortably and confidently in public. And then on top of that, there's The Purposeful Podcasts is the production company I run as well. But yes, Everyday Positivity is there for you on a day-to-day basis to just help you feel good about yourself. <laughs> well, fantastic. Thanks for joining us. But we're going to be talking about films today and we're going to talk about your choice, Kate, which is Game On, The Unstoppable Rise of Women in Sport. Yep. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And I just want to say thank you because it was a short film. Normally, a lot of these films are like, it's a blessing to press play and it's like, what, 68 <laughs> minutes? Or is that, what? Amazing. But yeah, tell us about the film and tell us uh, why you chose it. And then I'll give you a countdown timer. So the unstoppable rise of women's sport. I'm really passionate about exercise and fitness and sport. And I'm really passionate about women's sport. Sue Anstis, who is the host and the narrator, if you like, of this programme, wrote a book called Game On and also did a podcast called Game On as well and has been over the last few years. And when I saw a few weeks ago, Stacey Copeland, who is in the film, she's a boxer in, in the film, talking about it on her Instagram, I thought, I have to share this film with people and and I'd needed to watch it. And when, when we were talking about what films, I was like, I know this is the one because I know it's going to be really vital and really important. So yeah, I wanted to share it with you. So Kate, timer. Sorry, you've got 60 seconds to tell us what happens in Game On starting now. Sue Anstis has been tracking the history of women's sport for a book called Game On. And this is the culmination of that book. Did you know there was a time where women were actually banned from playing football in some people's lifetime from the 1920s to the 1970s, women were banned from playing football. Last year, the Lionesses won the Women's Euros. And I think that's just such a moment in time that Sue happens to have been in and captured. And this documentary is the story of that rise of women's sport. Splendid. How did I do? You did well, well, you mean time-wise, it's like 29 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> short film short, short synopsis, film, short synopsis go. <laughs> so you said you, you are you a sports person yourself Kate yeah it's what's really nice about this film for me personally and bear with me on this is that I hadn't sort of realized quite how much and how passionate I was and how ingrained sport is in my life I went to Loughborough University to to study English and history of art. So you can do lots of sports without spare time. But I played lacrosse and I ended up playing lacrosse for England for, uh, while oh, okay. I was at Loughborough. So I am Alan Partridge. You know that, that when he says I went to Loughborough to do a media, like, media studies, that's me. I ended up in media, not in sport. But so I've, it's always been part of me and I've always been aware of the benefits I got from playing sport as a young woman. Whenever I used to see a This Girl Can advert, I used to just blub and burst into tears because I could never believe that you don't know what you've not seen until you see it. And to see women so passionately enjoying sport in those blooming This Girl Can adverts was immense. And this film did that for me as well, to see the women and the rise of women's sport in that way. And then I've realised that actually over my career as the presenter coach, I've actually been working with some of the people who are directly connected to this film. So it's really lovely for me to see it to come together in this way. But I'm sure, I don't know, I know Annie and I both said to each other the other day, you know, it's made me cry and my some of my girlfriends have watched it recently and they've, they've cried all the way through it just because, again, it's that realisation that there was a time where, as a sports person, you were limited. Even, it doesn't matter that 
in the 1920s to the 1970s, football was banned. As a woman, I was told not to lift weights because I would end up looking like a man. And it's so ridiculous, the stuff that I've listened to and heard and been told I can't do, to then be someone who is quite sporty and to see other women doing it. It's a, a very bizarre and overwhelming and incredible emotion that comes with it. Annie, what are your thoughts? Are you a sports person? I am. I mean, not to the extent that I've played for England in anything. I used to do triathlon. I haven't raced for quite a few years, but I think what happens is you come together with a group of people that you might not normally come together with. And what I remember from my tri days is the multi-generational integration of everyone, you know, from little kids to quite elderly folk still competing or they're there supporting their own sons and daughters and those sons and daughters have got their own little kids there. And the social fabric that knits together in that sense of achievement and sport and being your best self, whether you're dragging yourself around a course or, you know, trying to be in the top five or, or whatever you're doing, it, it is deeply emotional. I mean, you know, I was blubbing too. And it's something that I think, particularly at the moment in the world, that really pulls people together, that sense, that deep, deep sense of community and the rising tide of women stepping into their own power as well. Yeah. What I love about the movie is, and I love what I love about this movement is, that I know, like you listen to the way that Claire Balding speaks in this movie about what has been going on behind the scenes. And Stacey Copeland says, you know, two years ago, people were saying, oh, women's sport, yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the Roses win the netball at the Commonwealth Games. The Lionesses win the Euros. And it looks like it's an overnight success. But what it is, is it's a lesson in change. It's a real lesson in, for change to happen, keep on talking, keep on fighting, keep on making those little changes, keep on getting frustrated. Like when you're in it, it's so frustrating to go, this needs to change. This needs to change. We need to call this out. We need to call this out. And you're constantly doing it. And it you don't, it's like a, when you change a habit, it goes really slowly to start with. And then all of a sudden it pings up the hockey stick curve, if you like. And that's how change is formed. And so now there's this huge wave with the Lionesses and with the Roses winning and then the rugby's changing as well, where I think we're going to see some real pivotal moments because there are young girls now seeing those people in real life and going, ah, oh, I get that I can be that person now. I get that I can do that. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker for crying out loud, you know? <laughs> if you want to be Luke Skywalker, why not? And, you know, in terms <laughs> of what that looked like as a woman, you don't see, when you see somebody doing what you you didn't know you could do in for real, then it changes everything. Helen, you like a few odd sports like cricket, don't you? I do. I do like watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few odd sports. Is it therapeutic for you? <laughs> I don't know if it's therapeutic. I've never played cricket because obviously girls couldn't play cricket, but... It's quite slow though, isn't it? <laughs> Says the social well, I mean, media world in person. Well, <laughs> well, well that, yeah, no, I just mean, that's why I said therapeutic, you know, that, that it's, you know, a bit of... I guess maybe the, the pace of the game is slow, but then like having yeah, that's a 90 mile per hour ball thrown at you is, is not well, slow. Well, no, no, quite. <laughs> but yeah, I think... When I was at school, I kind of ended up representing the school in like all of the sports because there was just girls just didn't want to do it. And I was fairly more like, yeah, all right, I'll do badminton. I'll do the 
I'll do the long jump. I can't actually jump very far, but I'll do it. I'll run in the relay and I'll, okay, yep, netball, yep, okay, badminton. I, I kind of did them all through school and then obviously kind of like dropped off. And then last year ended up sort of playing football sort of weekly with a group of friends. And then that kind of took place during lockdown because it was one of the things that you could do. But then as people's lives kind of got back on track it we just kind of dropped off and it was a bit hard to secure the pitch and we didn't get the numbers so I do kind of yoga and things like that but I don't play in a team sport at the moment and there's so many benefits of of sport anyway not just exercise but it's that kind of communication there's Mm-hmm. mental well-being there's being finding your place and doing something that you enjoy so the benefits of sports are huge and you know this this documentary is really really interesting you've got like a little bit of kind of the history and then you kind of get to where we are now and I think it's great that you know representation matters and we are seeing obviously young people get into it but I think one thing that the documentary didn't explore is that school sports and the kind of like entry routes into a lot of sports just don't really exist because it's just been so underfunded sport in school is seen as something that's like something like people don't want to get involved in and I think especially for girls you know there's all this stuff around PE kits like I don't know about you but like having to wear PE knickers like the thought of doing that no they don't have to do that it's good yeah my daughter's 14 and it's been really interesting trying to get her involved in sport because I'm absolutely aware of the benefits it's given me that knowing how to get better at something knowing how to practice knowing how to communicate exactly what you said learning a like my favorite line I ever learned from sport was my now lacrosse is a really complicated game and at one point, my co- we were in a coaching session and the coach blew the whistle and we all stopped and we didn't know why. She was like, do you know why I've blown the whistle? And we went, no. <laughs> and she said, girls, if you don't know the rules, then you don't know how to break them, which is such a great <laughs> motto for life, you know, and I got all that from sport. But there is loads of work going on. So Kick It Out, for example, work, you know, working with a lot of like the, the FA and, and all of that to get... Do you know Kick It Out, who, who are Kick Out, they, they work against discrimination in sport and they're doing a lot of work recently about building up pathways. So it's just things like big football clubs, for example, will put their training grounds in really like far away places from the, the clubs and it makes it really difficult for people to get to. So there's a lot of work going in now around how you get those clubs to be more accessible, like geographically even, for women and different socioeconomic groups. So, you know, there's a lot of work going into it. And here in Manchester, there's a charity called Greater Sport who for the last five years have been, or five or six years, have been working on getting more and more people active. And there's loads of really interesting work there around, they're called Greater Sport, right? But actually, do people think, oh, I'm going to go and do sport when they want to be physically active and what language do they use around that? And so there's tons going on and they did a load of research a few years ago to discover that women were would get involved in sport if they were doing things that they were interested in as well or be more physically active they were interested in as well. So they started changing the way that we thought about physical activity to get people more involved. And as part of that, in Manchester, the mayor, Andy Burnham, stood up a few years ago and said, everybody in Manchester is allowed to wear trainers. So at school, they're all allowed to wear trainers now. So it means, as long as they're black, but it means that they're, they're able to be a bit more active and they're able to do things like change. And I'm very proud of my daughter because she kicked up a right stink when they wouldn't, there was some sort of, they wanted to 
leggings or something. They wanted them to wear leggings or they weren't allowed to wear leggings. And so she petitioned against it and then they were allowed to wear leggings. So all of that, there is this change coming. It just, as I said, it takes time. So It's been, I thought the documentary was really interesting. I've been working a lot with, well, not a lot, but over the pandemic in the run-up to the last Olympic Games, I was working with a company that was doing a lot with disabled athletes and disabled sports and para-athletes, adaptive athletes. And what I saw in this documentary is that there's, there's quite a few parallels in the restriction to activities in the disabled realm overall, as there is in, in female sports overall. And I think I've been kind of sheltered in my life looking at this because my, I guess the, the sports I used to watch mostly on TV were the Olympic sports. And you'd have the Olympic Christie then running next to Sally Gunnell and then Flo Joy running in it. So I was always like, yeah, I mean, there seems to be, be parity, but when you go just a bit outside that kind of realm, there just isn't and or it's less encouraged or discouraged in places where where perhaps I didn't realize as much and I've had conversations with friends one of my friends was like thing is I would watch women's football but then I just have to I have to learn the stories behind people and I was like you just use you're just finding some weird excuse to not watch women's football it's such a weird thing to say I don't watch women's football because I don't really watch football generally anymore so that's why I don't watch it but I think it's, it's it's kind of shocking. There's a long there's a long way to go. I know that some sports are way better, way more ahead. Tennis, for example, and I, I think I'd use the example of Billie Jean King and what what they did in terms of bringing tennis forwards and that side of things. I was like, yeah, well, some places are better, but then you do you just have to scratch the surface a bit and say and find places where it's not. And I think that's just what we're finding here with this. I think this documentary does well in shining a light on that. I think it could have been a bit longer. I'd kind of laugh and say, yeah, it's only 66 minutes long, we'll have a long, but I think I could have spent more time there and uncovered a few more things. I think a bit of it, some of it's a bit too surfacey, unfortunately, because I think there's a lot to uncover when we just mine a bit deeper. I think there was a gateway perhaps missed to how sport is such an amazing gateway to establishing values and to recognizing what are important to those players, competitors, athletes. I mean, I, I bring that up because I'm, I'm thinking about values for what I might talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say, guys, before we head to the scores? I was just going to say that there's, there's, there's obviously, there's quite a few things in that the sort of focus on sports women and how sports women should look and how there's one body type that is what the sporting body would look like and anything outside of that is wrong or not to be kind of seen and the whole thing about the bikinis men get to wear shorts and vests and the women have to wear bikinis and I think until kind of attitudes shift from like a fixation of sports women having to be sexy in bikinis, then it's going to be kind of hard to get taken seriously, I think, is what happens with some people in sport that there's just every magazine kind of photography shoot, whatever sport it is, like put them in a bikini. It's like, why? I mean, I guess if it's it's talking about kind of like muscle tone and things like that, it would work. But I still feel there's like a little bit further to go in that. And the whole kind of frailty myth about women, how it was too dangerous to kind of do sport, but yet we're expected to have babies. And there's like a huge like risk in that of death and things like that. I thought it was just really interesting and, you know, that it's not feminine to play sports. I think that still is a thing, especially is it Stacey Copeland, the 
boxer. Is it her? Yeah. Just very, just very interesting, like hearing all of the stories that we knew with her and her granddad going around and just being like really, really interested in boxing and just being told like it's not for girls like all the time. It's just mad that you'd never go to a boy. You can't do that. Like it's just, you know, there's like moments where I mean, obviously not for me boxing, but you've been told like, oh, you can't do that because that's not for girls. And you just kind of go, all right, okay, I'll, I'll pick something else. And seeing it like with these professional sports people as well, having had that as well, it is pretty shit sometimes being a girl. <laughs> you just want to do stuff and not have men tell you you can't or have these rules that have been designed by men. And they're like, well, you know, you, you can't do that because we we made it like this. And it's like, okay, well why can't we change the rules and do it our way that works for us? And I think that's what's really interesting about the documentary is that actually you do see that element of, or I certainly know that a lot of those stories start with, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to do this, or I didn't know that it was weird. Like even Sue's story, I didn't know that it was odd. And I think that is what's carried the change. It's that shock of, hang on a minute, someone's now telling me it's odd. Then they've pushed it through. And the other thing that I always think is really interesting, so my husband plays rugby. We've got a big rugby kind of family, if you like. The point of rugby is that every position has a body shape, right? So you're, but traditionally the hooker would be the kind of dumpier type or the, you know, and the props would be sort of slightly rounder, if you like. And then you've got the taller fullbacks who are going to run down the pitch because they're the, the sprinting. That's the role that's, you know, rugby is really good at going, this is your role and this is the physical elements that you need for that role. Scrum halves are that little bit smaller so that they can get in and in amongst all the, the ball and everything. It's just, it, and I mean, it's changing slightly with the professional game, but then to then be met with, well, you have to be, look this way to be this way. And it's not, it's not the same for girls. And to be told, you know, I literally was told when I was younger, oh, you don't want to do heavy weights because you you might end up looking like, you know, like, because like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Linford Christie or something, because Linford Christie used to have these huge arms. And you'd be like, now I've got a 145 deadlift and I lift loads of weights and I'm nowhere near like this Arnold Schwarzenegger type. So, I think, and those, one, four, things five. Are really, those things are really difficult what? to be up against all the time when you're being told, either told literally or that underlying sense that oh, people don't really like that, which is what Stacey's talking about when she, in, the, in the film where she talks about, you know, women hitting other women is actually really hard to watch because we're not supposed to be that violent. Just that's it. Just a, a couple of things before I head to scores that came to mind. One is like... They talked about a league of their own, the film, and obviously the history behind it. And also it was one, it's, it's, I think it is generally my favourite sports film. And I love the TV series that came out last year and I'm looking forward to watching the season two of it. And when they're talking about, yeah, you, yeah as um, you, said, you guys said before, wearing skirts in inappropriate circumstances where you've got to slide into base on a really gritty surface. It's just like, guys, have we thought this through properly? This is just dumb. And the second thing is, I think there is, there's a very real thing where some guys don't like getting beaten by women. And when you talked about triathlon, uh, Annie, because I used to do triathlon, I'm, I'm training for my first triathlon that I've done in really? like six or, seven, six or seven years. The last one I did was, yeah, like half Ironman. And towards the end of it, a woman went past me. And, and then at the end, she's like, we've had a chat. She said, do you, do you mind being chicked? I was like, what do you mean? Do you mind being chicked? I was like, well, because... Oh, right. Because I reckon there would have been a lot of guys who would be extremely pissed off that a, a girl went past them, a woman went past them on, the, on any part of the triathlon. But 
because I've trained with so many people across so many different sports, I'm not an elite athlete. There's going to be women who are better than me at, at whatever. And that's just amazing to see whether it's people who are better than you, they're better than you, whether it's male or female. It's just like, great, she's faster than me. She can swim better. She can cycle better. I'm like, that's amazing. But there are definitely people who are like angry because they are, they're a man and they're getting beaten by a woman. And my favorite, favorite case, this is when I was at school, one of the girls in my class, she played squash for Scotland and she played one of the guys in our year and she absolutely obliterated him. And he was the most angry I've ever seen a person in his entire life. And I just couldn't get it. It's like, well, she, dude, she, she plays for the, for her country in the sport that you can't play very well. <laughs> what, what are you, what are you so angry about? What was your time, Kobe, on your half Ironman? I'll take and get back to you before we close up. But yeah, there is a... Very cool. Wow. Hats off but there to is you. A definite, I think there is a definite thing where some guys just literally get the rage. <laughs> and it makes me laugh my ass because I used to coach triathlon as well. And you just see amazing, amazing athletes, both men and women. You get a, a, a good bunch of guys, men, and then you get a good bunch of ladies, but then there'd be lots and lots of guys behind those women. And those some of the people in that group would be really like annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> when you say you trained at triathlon, which discipline? Well, it's just a general tricoat. So it was swimming, cycling and, and running. Just level one, just to help the, like the local club out when they needed someone to step in, essentially. But do you think, though, that Sue talks at the beginning about sport reflecting what happens in society? I think mm. when you look into your own homes, that idea that women being better than men, like being beaten by a woman or winning, being losing to a woman as a man... If you look at, look at like your gender pay or even within your own home, like, yeah, you know, in, in someone's home, in a heterosexual relationship, who's earning the more money? Who's the breadwinner in this home? And how un uncomfortable do we feel with that hierarchy of breadwinners? Because I've been through it where my husband's the main breadwinner or I'm the main breadwinner. I've had to go and have children. And actually we've had very frank conversations about it and really positive conversations, to be honest. But I know that there are families that find that, Dynamic, really difficult. Should we head to the scores? Yes, go on. And before we get to the scores, my time, Annie, was five hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Mm. Bravo, sir. Well done. I think there's something to be said for doing. It's that mental game of you're on your own. Team sports are different. You can rely on each other, but when you're on your own, it's a biggie. I only did Olympic. I didn't. Olympic's no joke. Oh, no, it's, it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my swimming was you're really totally rubbish. I had to make up all my time on the bike, but oh, it's such a great, great thing to do. I've never, ever, ever been in greater shape than racing for, you know, try. I, my intention is to get back to it. Do you check some guys who are... Oh, I don't like that phrase. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I... Like I <laughs> I probably chicked a few, but, but generally across the field, they were more in front of me than behind me, I would have thought. I'm hardly a tri-elite athlete, but I enjoy it. I love it. And, you know, that's what counts. Yeah, that is what counts. And to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com.
welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Kate, with your recommendability. I'm going to give this a 4.5 only from the point of view of I know so many women who will absolutely love this movie. Movie, film, documentary film, or and many, many men who will enjoy watching it as well. Annie. I absolutely loved it. 4.8. Boom. Helen. Yeah, I agree with you when you were saying, Kobe, about it being a, a little bit surfacey, and I think there could have been a, a little bit more in-depth conversation. And, and controversially, I think it could have been interesting to have some more male voices in it and kind of give them, this is this is it. So like how, and we had one one guy who was sort of about being an ally. And how, yeah, and if women are in supporting sport, they're not being an ally, they're, they're just watching sport. So I, I think it could have brought in a sort of different angle to it. And yeah, I could have watched more. But yeah, I think it's just a great kind of like starting point to kind of looking into what is happening now, what's gone before and thinking about where it can go in the future. So yeah, I'm going to give it a 4.8 as well. I think the fact that it's about women in sport is going to put some people off. But I think if you enjoy documentaries and you're kind of like interested in sport, then it's it's a must watch and it's super short as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go... Uh, slightly low. I'm going to go 4.5 because for me, just because I'm just, just I think it, just because I'm generally interested in film and sports in general, I would want to see more in depth. But I think it does make it very easy to recommend to people and does make it very easy for people to start the cogs wearing in the same way that in the, again, to go back to adaptive sports, there's a documentary on Netflix called Rising Phoenix. And that's a great entryway into, into that side of things as well. But yeah, 4.5. Repeat viewing score. Kate. Right, I've got an issue with this (laughs) in that I rarely watch anything more than once. It's such a great time to be alive. There's so much great content to watch. The idea that I might watch something again, it's a struggle. (laughs) I've only got so many hours left in my life (laughs) and people keep making great things. So I'm going to, oh, I feel like I haven't actually scored at all. So if I put it in as a mediocre three, so I'm in the middle, there you go. But it's purely because I just... I mean, in terms of watching it again to get more out of it, I'd rather have a sequel. I think you're absolutely right with your pointers around a bit more depth in story and a bit more male voice and a bit more getting into that. There's a bit, there's some murky worlds to get into, I think. And I think it would be worth having a crack at that maybe in, in the continued rise of women's sport. Annie? I wouldn't watch it again, to be honest. Just really, really honestly, I felt I got what I needed from watching it the first time. Sorry about, yeah, I feel... <laughs> I feel disloyal. Hang on. <laughs> Put it in the middle. Do what I did. Put it in the middle. Let it, let the seesaw be balanced. No, I'm going to give it a four. Well oh, well. Wow. No, I'm giving it a four. Well done. Lo- no, that was hard. Loyalty, honour. Yeah. No, come on. Come on. Four. Helen. So we're normally quite brutal on repeat viewing for documentaries because un- unless it's like super intense one that's like really really long and you feel as though you didn't quite absorb the knowledge then you kind of get what you need from this so I'm going to give it a two I think I possibly that Reese might want to watch it so I'd probably watch watch it with him but yeah the documentaries don't do well on repeat viewing I'm afraid on our painted scoring yeah no matter how good we've had some of the world's best documentaries 
Blackfish on here, for example, other Oscar winning ones, I can't remember, but yeah, it's just, they just kind of do not score so well on, on the repeat viewing side of things. Everything else can be really high, but repeat viewing score doesn't tend to fare that well. I'm going to go 1.5. It's a short punch, short shot punch. As Annie said, I got everything that I needed from it. Realistically, I won't watch it again. One thing I did notice is that, is it Sue Anstis, sorry? Yep. She also records her podcast on Squadcast. Ah, uh, she did, you're right. Um, you're yeah. right. Small screen score, Kate. Five? It's totally small screen. <laughs> It's definitely built that way. I mean, so, you know, I know Stacey because we're in the radio world and I've met her through various things and it would have been lovely to have seen her on the cinema, but this is totes small screen fodder. Annie. Agree. Five. Helen. Yep, same five. Fives across the board, including myself. Engagement score. So I think what's really interesting is what you said about that sort of superficially, it it didn't dig deep. So there weren't like any big dramatic moments. It really feels like the kind of film that needed to be made to go, look, this is where we are. This is where we're up to. And Sue's work continues. And, you know, you can listen to the podcast and you can read the book and it will continue into the future as well. So I really would recommend being part of that and listening to that because there are some interesting things going on. Engagement wise, I do think it's quite easy to pick up and put down and pick up and put down. So you're probably sitting on around a three there as well. Annie? Probably a two. I did, you know, sort of leave it and come back and, you know, I I didn't feel badly off, you know, sort of doing that. No way. Helen? I'm going to give it a four. I watched it all the way through and I found it interesting, but it, it lacked the kind of documentary narrative where you kind of start off on a bit of a cliffhanger and then you're like, oh, how's this going to end? What's going to unfold? It didn't have that quite big documentary style, but, you know, it was still interesting and it, yeah, it's fairly engaging for its very, very short runtime. So four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll go for four as well. I was engaged in the time. It's always good to learn stuff from documentaries and I can't think of many documentaries where I haven't been like in it. And it was short, which meant the time, you know, why would you even consider looking at your phone? So that gives us an overall score of 3.88125, which is decent. It's just decent, certainly. I think that's a good score. Yes, Annie and Kate, can you tell us where we can find you online and say, yeah, thank you very much and goodbye to the listeners. Do you want to go first, Annie? You can find me at wellintellect.com. Yeah. You can find me at Well Intel Daily by Annie Hood podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, Annie Hood. Am I doing this right? however which way you want to do it Annie Hood on Twitter very easy no E on Annie don't forget that no E on Annie threads to an instant Annie Hood wellbeing fantastic I'm on most platforms as at K8 Cocker it'd be lovely to see you there and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at official everyday positivity as well and I think that's enough (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start listing up all the websites but yeah just go there you'll find me (laughs) No worries. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. Bye. 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 (laughs) Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. 
If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatch has sent you. You just heard a stripped media production. 